Shalom, shalom. Welcome, world changers. Great to see you all here tonight. Tonight, we are getting into more of 1 Samuel, around the end of 1 Samuel. And we're, got, we're also going to be reading uh, several different Psalms as well. And because uh, we're reading chronologically here. So I'll give you a little bit of an overview here of what I'm thinking, I plan on doing tonight. We have three chapters from the book of Samuel at Samuel chapter 25, 26, and 27. Before uh, we read Samuel, I'm going to read a psalm. In between each chapter, I'm going to read a psalm. And so I'll kind of break it up a little bit. Uh, psalm 20, uh, excuse me, for Samuel chapter 26, uh, the very beginning of it talks about um, a, a certain si situation that David wrote uh, about in one of his psalms as well. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get into that. First of all, I'm going to read from Psalm 63 because this is talking about David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. We read that um, there the other night, okay? So we've already went through that. So I just wanted to tie up this loose end first, then we'll get into 1 Samuel chapter 25. Okay, so first up is, uh, let me see what we got here. Um... Okay, a little bit confusing here. All right, I hope this is... All right, yeah, got it. Yeah, first up is Psalm 63. Again, this is picking up from where we left off last night. Psalm 63. The thirsting soul satisfied in God. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Now in the footnotes, we have 1 Samuel 22, verse 5. That's when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Also 23, verse 14. Now we know we read this last night. Okay, so uh, yeah, so we're just picking up again from last night. Verse 1, God, you are my God. I shall be watching for you. If I can just pause here for a second. This word watching, sometimes it can refer to like serving, waiting, watching, serving him. Okay, how can we watch for God? By serving him, by keeping our eyes on him, so to speak, by waiting on him. I shall be watching for you. My soul, my soul thirsts for you. This reminds me about what we were talking about the past few days, um, about uh, where it says in Psalm 14 and also in Isaiah chapter 64, says that uh, there's none righteous, basically, and the righteousness that the uh, sinners have are, you know, it's, those righteousnesses are like filthy rags. But again, in context, that's not, that's not talking about everybody because David is not included in that, that group. In Psalm 14, we read about a group who does not call upon God, does not seek God, does not even believe. Same with um, Isaiah, or very similar, I should say, to Isaiah chapter 64, where we got people who are you know, just consumed with sin. Um, people who are uh, like a withered leaf. There's no life in them at all. They're not saved. You got people who uh, do not pray, do not seek God, who, who consume the people of God. Of course, David's the opposite. David's not included in that. And, and I pray that every one of you who are watching, that none of you are included in that category as well, so that God will look upon us as righteous. Because there are righteous people. Because we do thirst for him. We thirst for God. 
and that our righteousnesses are not like filthy rags because our soul does thirst for God, like David says here. Not like the people who uh, Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah chapter 64, but like the real men and women of God, the real people of God. And like David who says, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and exhausted land where there is no water. Again, this could be figuratively speaking, like spiritual dryness as well. So I have seen, sown, excuse me, so have I seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory. It is possible, it is possible, people, it is possible, saints of God, it is possible, world changers, to see his power and glory. Moving on, verse 3, because your favor is better than life. In the footnotes, your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Now, just out of curiosity, let's just go over here, um, look it up in, in the interlinear. We have Psalm 63. Uh, just a second here. Psalm 63. Okay, and we're, we're looking at verse 3. Because your love, it says here, is better than life. This is the NIV. Uh, again, in the interlinear, we'll see here what it means. Your kindness, your chesed. Your chesed, okay? It's a, uh, no, excuse me, not Greek. Um, Hebrew for kindness, okay? Kindness, chesed, is better than life. So the kindness of the Lord. Your favor is better than life. My lips will praise you. Again, Moving on with Psalm 63, verse 4. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, what does this mean? Lift up my hands in your name. This doesn't mean that he raises his hands and he, and he pronounces the name of God. That's not what it means. I will lift up my hands in your name. So... Lifting up, lifting up of, of hands is a sign of, first of all, it's, it's blessing, okay? Blessing and uh, surrendering. So what does it mean in your name? I, I will lift up my hands in your name. Let's check it out in the Blue Letter Bible again. This is Psalm 63, verse 4, okay? Now, in the different Bible translations, it says, I will lift up my hands in your name. In the King James, uh, same with the New King James, I will lift up, lifting up my hands to you in prayer in the NLT. In your name, I will lift up my hands, NIV. In your name, I will lift up my hands, ESV. Same with the CSV. And the NASB. Okay. RSV makes puts it differently. I will lift up my hands and call. Okay, so that is in this, according to this translation, that would be calling on his name. And again, please understand to call on the name of the Lord doesn't necessarily mean that you pronounce a certain name. Uh, it means to uh, call on who he is, you know, because the name of a person, I mean, people in the Western world, especially, we think name is just being as, you know, a uh, something that pronounced like my like Christopher or like John or like you know Joseph, but that's not real. That that's very that's a very shallow way of looking at it. 
the name of, per, of a person is supposed to tell you who that person is, tells you the attribute, personality, the character. Um, it's a lot of times, even the, um, the occupation of a, of, a, of a person, you know, John Smith would be, he, he would be a, uh, from the family of Smiths, blacksmiths or silversmiths. Okay. And sometimes the name will tell you what, where that person is from. Um, like, or, or the son of the, who you are, who you are, the son or the daughter of, right? Uh, like McDonald means the son of Donald. Um, we see in the scriptures in the New Testament, we have Yeshua or Jesus of Nazareth. So in today's world, his name, his last name, his surname would, would actually mean um, of Nazareth. Okay. Not his surname is not really Christ per se. Okay. And it's not Jesus with the surname of Christ. So the name of a person or the name of, of God is means a whole lot more than something that you can actually pronounce. It's who he is. Keep in mind, there are a lot of different names of God because each one of those names actually means something, right? Yahuwah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Yahuwah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Yahuwah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Okay? And on and on it goes, right? The name of Jesus, Yeshu, Yeshua, right? Meaning Yah, who uh, the say Yah, our salvation, okay? Uh, or Yahushua, Yahoo's salvation, okay? So, um, and you know, there, most most Christians as well would, would concur that there are different names of Christ as well, like not just Jesus, but we got uh, names such as Emmanuel, okay? The Christians would say uh, his name is Emmanuel uh, or, you know, um, uh, let me think. There's, there's so many other different names that they would say. The branch, right? the, 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 the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, the rose of... All these different names that they would have for Yeshua. Okay? So to lift up his hands and to call upon his name is really just to, to, to bless him, to bless God, and to call, to call his... To call down... Uh, the, the attributes of God, to call on his mercy, to call on his um, His love, his forgiveness. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, to, to call down his favor upon you. And that's really what it means in, in the fullness of its meaning. I will lift up my hands and call upon your name. Verse 5 of Psalm 63, My soul is satisfied with fat and fatness, now, again, this is talking about like um, the, the richness of the Spirit of God, okay? And my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. It's, it's important to keep God in mind no matter what time of the day it is or night it is, or no matter what you're going through in life. Verse 7, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. Wow. You know what? That it's, you see the picture of like a hen, a chicken. And you got under, under the chicken's wings, you'd have the little chicks that are, that are chirping, chirping. And that's what I think of when I read this. In the shadow of your wings, I sing, well, I, I will sing for joy. 
My soul clings to you. In the footnotes, my soul clings or longs after you. Your right hand take hold, takes hold of me. Right hand signifies strength. But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. That's a very confident proclamation, isn't it? Those who seek my life will go into the depths of the earth. He's confident that his enemies will be defeated and basically go to hell, more or less. Verse 10, they will be turned over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. In the footnotes, poured out by foxes, literally. And the reason why we have some of these footnotes and it says, you know, what it says literally in the Hebrew, because a lot of times uh, what it says literally it, literally in the Hebrew may not make sense in, in, the, uh, in the English. So I have to do a little bit of interpretation there. A little bit more than just translation, but interpretation. Verse 11. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will boast for the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. Thank God for that. Okay. Um, yeah, we're not going there. We're going over to 1 Samuel chapter 25. Samuel's death. Then Samuel died and all Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his house in Ramah. And David set out and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And it came about while he was shearing his sheep in, in Carmel. Now the man's name was Nabal, Nabal. And his wife's name was Abigail. And the woman was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite. I think it's important to understand that uh, what Nabal really means, okay? And we have, uh, it's simply, let's, again, let's go over to um, Blue Letter Bible, but to make it, to make it short, it is, um, uh, it, it means basically, Basically, fool. First Samuel twenty-five, and we'll look up the word, the name Nabal again. It's really not about what it sounds like or the letters it's used to pronounce it. It's about what it means. Nabal, Nabal. Okay, means fool. Right here. Fool. Imagine, imagine, imagine naming your your child fool. <laughs> I don't know what their par- what his parents were, were. Maybe they knew something that uh, that nobody else knew. I don't know. And why would they name their like? Uh, oh, that's a cute little boy you got there. What's his name? Fool. What? You call him fool? Yeah, he's fool. That's his name. Fool. <sighs> And is it, and this is the reason why we have Abigail. It says here, Abigail, 
It, make, it makes a point of saying that Abigail was intelligent and beautiful. And the reason being is because you'd say, okay, the, the, her, the fool, Nabal and Abigail. Uh, so if you think Nabal got fool here and Abigail, so uh, that's why it makes a point of, of kind of contrasting Abigail with, that, with Nabal by saying that Abigail was intelligent and beautiful. Okay, so again, she was intelligent and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his dealings, and and he was a Calebite. You know, isn't it amazing how a lot of fools today are harsh and evil in their dealings? You know, a lot of times you get somebody who's in authority and they're they're pretty harsh or they're pretty uh, evil. Uh, and the reason being is because they are pretty foolish. Really, you get more wise people in authority, and you want, you're not going to deal with you're going to deal with a lot more. Um, grace and, and mercy uh, and righteousness instead of harsh and evil dealings. So he was harsh and evil in his dealings, and he was a Calebite that David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and visit Nabal and greet him in my name. And this is what you shall say, Have a long life, peace to you and peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Again, in the footnotes, to life, literally, to life, Chaim, have a long life, peace to you, peace to your house, and peace to all that you have. Now then, I have heard that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us. We have not harmed them, nor has anything of theirs gone missing all the days they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a festive day. Please give whatever you, uh, you find at hand to your servants and to your son David. Festive day on a good day, literally, good day. When David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal in accordance with all these words in David's name. Then they waited. Now, again, I just want to, let's just see, to, to come in somebody's name or to speak in David's name doesn't necessarily mean that, that they have to say, uh, you, know, uh, you know, have a long life, peace to you in the name of David. You know, it doesn't, they don't literally have to verbalize the phrase in the name of David. Okay. So w when David sent the men, the fact that they went and did what David told them to do, that is, that is doing what they're doing in David's name. They don't have to verbalize it. They don't have to say, Oh, Nabal in David's name, have peace in David's name. You know, have a long life in David's name, send shearers. They, they didn't have to verbalize that. The fact that they just went because David asked them to go, they went on the orders of David, that is going in, the, in David's name. Same with um, when we do something in, in Yeshua's name, or like how the Christians would say, in Jesus' name. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that you verbalize in Jesus' name. So remember, you know, it says, you know, uh, you know, Yeshua says, anything you ask in my name will be given to you, or you know, whatever you do in my name, it, it will it will happen, so to speak. 
It doesn't literally mean you have to verbalize it. What that means is you pray for what Yeshua asked you to pray for. That's what praying in, in Yeshua's name means. Okay? And I know I I do this all the time too. You know this. I, you know, when I pray, a lot of times I say in, in, in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. I'm just saying I don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. In order to pray in, in Jesus' name or Yeshua's name, you don't have to verbalize it. It's not necessary. You can do it if you want to. And that's the reason why a lot of people, um, they they pray in Jesus' name and they don't get what they pray for. And then some people even lose their faith over that. It's like, well, Jesus said, I get, I'll get it. But, you know, I ask in his name, but I didn't get it. Therefore, it's just all, you know, hogwash. Well, because you don't know what it means to say to to pray or to do something in Jesus' name, it's it, it's a whole lot more than verbalizing a name. It's actually, like I said, if you're doing something in Jesus' name, it means that you are following His orders. If He ordered you to do something specifically and personally, and you do it, you're doing it in His name, whether or not you even say in Jesus' name or in Yeshua's name. Okay, and that's the reason why it says here. In 1 Samuel chapter 25, when the, when David's young man came, they spoke to Nabal in accordance with all these words, David's name, then they waited. Right? So we do not see any evidence that they actually said literally in David's name up here. Okay. Verse 10. But Nabal answered David's servant and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Yeshe? There are many servants today who are seeking, who excuse me, who are breaking away from his master. Shall I, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for for my shearers and give it to men whose origin I do not know? So David's young men made their way back and returned, and they came and informed him in accordance with all these words. So David said to his men. Each of you strap on his sword. <laughs> Plan B. And each man strapped on his sword. And David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up behind David, while 200 stayed with the baggage. Now one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet your master. And he spoke to them in anger. Yet. The men were very good to us, and we were not harmed, nor did anything go missing as long as we went with them while we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both night and day. All the time we were with them, tending the sheep. Now then, be aware and consider what, what you should do, because harm is plotted against our master and against all his household. And he is such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Worthless man? Son of Belial, would that be? Let's see what it says. <laughs> Son of Belial. Son of Belial. Son of the devil, basically. Now, again, does this mean that that, Na that um, Nabal was, you know, biologically a descendant of the devil? Doesn't mean that. Spiritually, yes, it's very clear that he was 
as we read earlier uh, earlier on here, it's very clear that he was a Calebite. Okay, so definitely he was from a good line. He was from a good line, but yet he was a son of Belial, a son of the devil. You know, similar to the people that the Yeshua spoke to in John chapter eight. Again, not all, he only spoke that to one particular group of people at one time. He didn't speak that to a whole entire race or anything like that, like some people think he did. That's not what he meant. For all we know, it could have been just a few people, three, four, five, I don't know. Verse 18, Then Abigail hurried and took 200 loaves of bread and two jugs of wine and five sheep already prepared and five measures of roasted grain and a hundred cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of fish, and she loaded them on donkeys. Then she said to her young men, go on ahead of me. Behold, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And it happened as she was riding on her donkey and coming down by the hidden part of the mountain that behold, David and his, and his men were coming down toward her. So she met him, met them, excuse me. Now David had said, it is certainly for nothing that I have guarded that I've guarded everything that this man has in the wilderness so that nothing has gone missing of all that I that that belonged to him. For he has returned me evil for good. May God do so to the enemies of David and more so if by morning I leave alive such as much as one male of any who belonged to him. Then Abigail saw David. She hurried and dismounted from her donkey, and she fell on, and fell on her face in front of David and bowed herself to him. She fell at his feet and said, Oh, on me alone, my lord, be the blame. And please let your, let your slave speak to you and listen to the words of your slave. Please do not let my word... My Lord, excuse me, please do not let my Lord pay attention to this worthless man, this son of Belial, Nabal. <laughs> she, she, uh, some, sometimes you got to marvel at the, just uh, these people, you know, um, in, in these, in these days, right? They're very, very blunt. They're, they're like matter of fact, blunt, blunt to the, you know, they don't hold anything back, you know? Abigail, speaking of her husband, said, um, Please do not let my Lord pay attention to this son of Belial, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. And Nabal is his name. Uh, that's a footnote here, probably saying fool. Yeah, i.e. fool, says here. And stu stupidity is with him. Stupidity is with him. Okay. But I, but I, your slave, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has restrained you from shedding blood and from avenging yourself by your own hand, now then, may your enemies and those who seek evil against my Lord like be like Nabal. And now let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who accompany my Lord. 
Please forgive the offense of your, of your slave. For the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord and evil will not be found in you all your days. Should anyone rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, then the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the, of the living with the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord does for my Lord, in accordance with all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and appointed you ruler over Israel, this will not become an obstacle to you or a troubled heart to my Lord, both by having shed blood without cause and by my Lord's having avenged himself. When the Lord deals well with my Lord, then remember your slave. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed be your discernment, and blessed be you who have kept me this day from bloodshed and fringing myself on my own by my own hand. Nevertheless, as the Lord God of Israel lives, has restrained me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, there certainly would not have been left there would not have been left to Nabal any, excuse me, uh, let me say that again, excuse me. Uh, if, if you had not come quickly to meet me, there certainly would not have been left to Nabal until the morning light as much as one male. So David accepted from her hand what she brought him and said to her, go up to your house in peace. See, I have listened to you and granted your request. Then Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was having a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was cheerful within him, for he was very drunk. So she did not tell him anything at all until the morning light. But in the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, so that he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Before we go too far, let me just see what we have here in the comments. Tori says, Shalom. Good to see you, Tori. Welcome. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's continue here with, this is 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has pleaded the cause of the shame inflicted on me by the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from evil. Wow. The Lord has also returned the evil doing of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent a proposal to Abigail to take her as his wife. Hmm. Seems to me like he was already 
He, it almost seems like he already had a plan in place, just the way he jumped on it so fast. Verse, verse 40. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. There's no, no choice there, Abigail. No choice at all. We're not asking you. We're taking you. And she got up and bowed her face to the ground and said, Behold, your slave is a servant to wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Then Abigail got up quickly and rode on a donkey with her five female attendants who accompanied her. And she, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David had also taken Ahinoam of Yezreel, and they both became his wives. But Shaul, or Saul, had given his daughter Michal, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. Okay, so next chapter is 1 Samuel chapter 26. David again spares Saul. Okay, um, Okay, so let's... I'm going to read I'm going to read one of the psalms first. I'll come back to this, read this, and then I will read another psalm. Uh, let's start with Psalm 17, a prayer of David. Hear a just cause, Lord. Give your attention to my cry. Listen to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. I guess the reason why David would say this is almost like it's almost like it's implying that if you pray with deceitful lips, it's like perhaps God will not hear your prayer. Verse two, let my judgment come forth from your presence. Let my judgment or in the footnotes, vindication. Yes, because you see you can be vindicated or condemned depending on what kind of judgment you receive. So let my judgment come forth from your presence. Let your eyes look with integrity. You have put my heart to the test. You have visited me by night. You have sifted my soul and you find nothing. My intent is that my mouth will not offend. As for the works of mankind, by the word of your lips, I have kept from your ways, from the ways of the violent. My steps have held in your paths. My feet have not slipped. I have called upon you. For you will answer me, God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my speech. Show your wonderful faithfulness. Savior of those who take refuge at your right hand from those, uh, uh, from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. The apple of the eye is the pupil. That's probably what it says here in the footnotes. Yeah, the pu literally the pupil or the daughter of the eye. Another another way of saying it. Keep me as the apple of your eye or apple of the eye, the pupil. And it's one of the most protected parts of your body, the pupil. So David is praying, asking God to protect him and keep him just like God protects his own pupil. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who deal violently with me, from the uh, my deadly enemies who surround me, they have closed their unfeeling hearts, their literally fat hearts. Uh, I think it'd be better to actually 
I think a better translation of that uh, would be proud. Rich hearts, okay, rich, fat would literally, would, would uh, denote richness, which if you have a rich heart, uh, you are uh, proud instead of having a poor heart, a poor spirit, which would be um, humility. They have closed their unfeeling hearts. With their mouths, they speak proudly. Yeah, so you notice this in the Psalms. Uh, just a little side note here. You notice this in the Psalms. And keep in mind that the Psalms are songs. So not like how some so many songs that we have in English where we have rhyming, rhyming, you know. Um, in the Psalms, it doesn't rhyme necessarily with, again, with phon- phonetics, okay? Not with the way it sounds, like, you know, uh, um, might cite, you know, <laughs> these kind of rhymes. Instead, it rhymes with uh, meaning, the meaning rhymes from verse to verse. Not always, but sometimes. Here's, a, here's an example. Unfeeling hearts, their mouths, with their mouths, they speak proudly. They have now sur- surrounded us in our steps. They have set their eyes to cast us down to the ground. He is like a lion that is eager to tear and as a young lion lurking in secret places arise lord confront him make him bow down save my soul from the wicked with your sword from people by your hand from people of the world whose portion is this life is in this life reminds me of the rich man in the parable of not the parable excuse me it's not the parable um, when Yeshua spoke of the rich man in hell versus Lazarus, the rich man in hell, basically you, you, you got your comfort in this life. Now Lazarus, now you're in torment and Lazarus has comfort. From the people of the world whose portion is in this life. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine if this life is the only heaven you'll ever know? Can you imagine if this life is the only heaven you'll ever know? That would not be a very good thing, would it? And whose belly you will uh, you fill with your treasure. They are satisfied with children and leave their abundance to their babies. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. Okay, back to... 1 Samuel chapter 26. Then the Zephites came to Shaul at Gibeah. So we got the Zephites. So they said to Saul, Is David not keeping himself hidden on the hill of Hakila, which is opposite Yeshimon? Yeshimon, which would be the desert. So Saul set out and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, taking with him 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search for David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul camped on the hill of Hakila, which is opposite Yashimon, beside the road, and David was staying in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul had come after him into the wilderness, David sent out spies 
and he learned that Saul was definitely coming. Then David set out and came to the place where Saul had camped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, and Saul was lying in the circle of the camp, and the people were camped around him. Then David said to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zura, Joab's brother, saying, Will you go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. I think I would go with David too if he asked me. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And behold, Saul lay sleeping sleeping inside the circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground at his head. And Abner and the people were lying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has handed your enemy over to you. Now then, please let me pin him with the spear to the ground with one thrust, and I will not do it to him a second time. But David said to Abishai, Do not kill him. For who can reach out his hand, reach out with his hand against the Lord's anointed and remain innocent? Again, this is amazing to me. This is just, just a moment here. This is amazing because we know how wicked Saul was. We know how wicked Saul was. And still, David refused to hurt Saul at all. Because even as, even as wicked as he was, he was still counted as the Lord's anointed. And touching him would be like touching the Lord. Uh, it, it was, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Verse 10. David also said, as the Lord lives, the Lord certainly, the Lord certainly will strike him, or his day will come that he dies, or he will go down in battle and perish. Okay. So let me just stop here again. Why would David say this? You see, David had faith that the Lord would make it right. The Lord would repay him for the evil that he's done one way or another. Either directly the Lord strikes him or um, the day comes when he dies, like natural death, so to speak, or he will go down in battle through war and perish. Verse 11, the Lord forbid that I would reach out with my hand against the Lord's anointed. But now please take the spear that is that is at his head and the jug of water and let's go. So David took the spear and the jug of water that were at Saul's head, and they, and no one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone awaken. I can just imagine David, you know, tiptoeing into uh, to do this, like being super, super quiet, you know, almost like a cat, just sneaking up on uh, Saul. Nor did anyone awaken, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. So God kept it. God, he made sure that they didn't wake up. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood at the top of the mountain at a distance with a large area between them. And David called to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, will you not answer Abner? And Abner replied, who are you who calls to the king? And David said to Abner, are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? 
Why then have you not guarded your lord, the king? For one of the people came to kill the king with uh, your lord. This thing that you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you undoubtedly must die because you did not guard your, your Lord, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was at his head. Then Saul recognized David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord the king. He also said, Why then is the Lord pursuing his servant? For what have I done, or what evil is in my hand? Now then, let my Lord the King listen to the words of his servant. If the Lord has incited you against me, may he accept an offering. But if it is, if it is people, cursed are they before the Lord, because they have driven me out today so that I would have no share in the, inhabit in, the, in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. I'll just back up here, this footnote for accept an offering. In other words, if the Lord incited you against me, may he accept an offering, or may he smell an offering. Kind of a weird way to put it, that's for sure. May he smell a, uh, an offering. Verse 20, now then do not let my blood fall to the ground far from the Lord, the presence of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to search for a, for a single flea, just as one hurts a, a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul, then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will not harm you again, since my life was precious in your sight this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have made a very great mistake. David replied, Behold the spear of the king. Now have one of the young men come over and take it, and the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord handed you over to me today, but I refused to reach out with my hand against the Lord's anointed. Therefore, behold, just as your life was highly valued in my sight this day, so may my life be valued, highly valued in the sight of the Lord, and may he rescue me from all distress. Then Saul said to David, Blessed are you, my son David. You will both accomplish much and assuredly prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his place. Now let's just quick let's quickly take a little look here, uh, just a couple of verses back. And the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. And we'll look that up in the original Greek, or Hebrew, I should say. Why do I keep on saying Greek? For his righteousness, his sadaka, sadaka, okay. Sadaka, uh, sometimes it means righteousness, but it can also mean like gift giving or charity. And his faithfulness is emuna. I had a I had a little inkling that it it could it could be emuna, and uh, this is significant because this is the Hebrew word for faith, literally just faith. Okay, the stuff you read about in the New Testament a lot, faith. Okay, so 
literally what this says, and this could also be translated as the Lord will repay each man for his righteousness and his faith, which would go right along with what um, James said in James chapter 2. It's not by faith alone, but also by works that you are justified. So it's a, that's awesome that, um, that it says that in, in the original Hebrew. Uh, very, yeah, it, it's, it's significant. Remember, remember, excuse me, remember that. 1 Samuel 23, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 26, 23. Um, basically, it's, it's what James was, was mirroring, that kind of uh, idea. Now let's go over to Psalm 54. Because this is a psalm that David wrote um, in that circumstance uh, with the, uh, when the uh, Ziphites came uh, to Saul. So this is Psalm 54. Prayer for defense against enemies. For the music director on stringed instruments, a masquil of David, when the Ziphites came and said to Saul, is David not keeping himself hidden among us? So, I, so you know, again, clearly this is what David wrote uh, just immediately uh, during or immediately after that, what we just read there in 1 Samuel chapter 26. Save me, God, by your name and vindicate me by your power. Hear my prayer, God. Listen to the words of my mouth. For strangers have ri risen against me and violent men have sought my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my soul. He will pay back the evil to my enemies. Destroy them in your faithfulness. Again, let me see what it says in the foot footnotes here. Literally truth, okay? Truth or truth. Destroy them in your faithfulness or your truth. Willingly, I will sacrifice to you. That's what we just read about, you know, the smell. Maybe he will smell my sacrifice. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. For he has saved me from all trouble. And my eye has looked with satisfaction upon my enemies. Okay, let's read one more psalm. Actually, you know what? Let's read. Let's read the next psalm after um, after this. After the next uh, chapter, I mean chapter twenty-seven. Um, we got two psalms to read. Okay, yeah, we'll do this after after First uh, Samuel twenty-seven. David flees to, to the Philistines. Verse one. Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to safely escape into the, into the land of the Philistines. Then Saul will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel. And I will escape from his hand. So David set out and went over, he and 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish in Gath, he and his men, with each with his own household. David with his two wives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jez Jezreelites, and Abigail, 
the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. Now it was reported to Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, If now I have found favor in your sight, have them give me a place in one of the cities in the country, so that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has, has belonged to the kings of Yehuda to this day. The number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and, a, and four months. Now David and his men went up and attacked the Gershurites, the, the Gerzites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites, for they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times. As you come to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt, David attacked the land in the footnotes. David struck the land and did not leave a man or woman alive. He took the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Achish. Now Achish said, Where did you carry out an attack today? And David said, Against the Negev of Judah, against the Negev of the Yeramulites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. Okay, in each one of these cases, Negev here is a south country, south country. Verse 11. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, Otherwise they will tell me they will tell about us, saying, This is what David has done, and this has been his practice all the time that he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has undoubtedly made himself repulsive among his people Israel. Therefore he be, he will become my servant forever. Okay, and tomorrow we will read uh, now read a couple of psalms for today. So, but uh, Saul and the spirit medium. There's a lot of uh, messages, a lot of uh, lessons we can learn from from this story, all all in and of itself. Uh, so this is a very interesting story for sure. Saul and the spirit medium. So we will talk. We will read that tomorrow. Um, I will read. Let me see here. Psalm 35. Right now, um, contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up as my help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them on. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them for they hid their feet, he, excuse me, they hid their net before me or for me without cause. Without cause, they dug a pit for my soul.
Let destruction come upon him when he is unaware, and let the net which he had which he hid catch him. Let him fall into that very destruction. So my soul shall rejoice in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones will say, Lord, who is like you? Who rescues the afflicted one or the afflicted from one who is too strong for him? The afflicted and the poor from one who robs him. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, but my prayer kept returning to me. In the footnotes, me, uh, my chest, literally. I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down in mourning like one who mourns for a mother. But at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. The afflicted people whom I did not know gathered together against me. The afflicted, afflicted here in the footnotes is the struck ones. They slandered me without ceasing like godless jesters at a, at a feast. They gnashed at me with their teeth. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my soul from their, their ravages, my only life from the lions. I will give you thanks in the great congregation. I will praise you among a mighty people. Do not let those who are wrongfully my enemies rejoice over me, nor let those who hate me for no reason wink maliciously. In the footnotes, wink the eye. For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful words against those who are quiet in the land. They opened their mouth wide against me. They said, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. You have seen it, Lord. Do not keep silent. Lord, do not be far from me. Stir yourself and awake to my, to my right and to my cause, my, my God and my Lord. Judge me, Lord my God, according to your righteousness. And do not let them rejoice over me. Do not let them say in their heart, Aha, our desire. Do not let them say, We have swallowed him up. May those be ashamed and altogether humiliated who rejoice at my distress. May those who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and dishonor. May those shout for joy and rejoice who take delight in my vindication. And may they say continually, The Lord be exalted who delights in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall proclaim your righteousness and my praise, and your praise, excuse me, all day long. 
Amazing, amazing, amazing. You know, it's really good reading it like this, where we read like a chapter at a time and then read the the, the psalm, especially like the psalm that David wrote in that specific scene or in that specific circumstance. It's really, really good. Uh, and this is why I think it's really important that we read these um we read these passages uh, chronologically, you know, because it can be easily, it can be easily confused when we read, like if we read like all of first Samuel, all second Samuel, then by the time we get to the Psalms, right? It's like, if you read it like that, it's like, you got to kind of think back. It's like, okay, it doesn't really, it, it, it makes it harder. So yeah. All right, guys. Um, let me see what we have in the comments. Again, anybody have any, if you have any questions or um, any comments, we'll get to those. Just put them in the live chat. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, we're also live streaming on YouTube and on Twitter and Facebook and Twitch and several other platforms as well. Tori asked the question, will a prayer be heard if the person prayed to Yeshua, like dear Jesus? I have heard people pray like this, as Yeshua didn't teach to pray to him. Very good question. I I kind of put that in the same, like that's, it's, it's similar to the question of, you know, is it okay to pray, let's say, to, or whatever, like um, like how some of these people like pray to saints or something like that. That's it's it's a similar question, although the saints are not the Lord. Okay, um, so this is a thing, right? Like Yeshua taught us to pray to to the Father. So I mean, he didn't say to pray to him. He said, you know, when you pray, say our Father. So. That's really what our focus should be on is our like, praying to the Father. And when we pray in, in, in Yeshua's name, again, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that you have to say in Yeshua's name, even though I confess I do a lot. Not always, but a lot I do. Um, praying in Yeshua's name just means to pray what he wants you to pray. So really, praying the Lord's Prayer is praying in Yeshua's name. Or if you're if I look at it from a Christian kind of point of view, praying the Lord's prayer is praying in Jesus' name. Even though you, you never say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. How can it be praying in Jesus' name? Because you are actually praying what he told he taught you to pray. That's praying in his name. Um so here's the thing too when it comes to praying some people said like we're is it okay to pray to, you know, you got these Catholics or whatever, especially Roman Catholics, they pray, pray to saints. Um, let me just say this. It is absolutely forbidden to worship anybody but God. Okay? You don't worship saints, okay? Um, and it is forbidden in the Torah to communicate with the dead. However, there's the there's a definition there. You, we, have, we have to define who who is dead. Yeshua 
made it very clear. He said, you know, you say, you know, uh, I, God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. Okay, you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. Um, there's an old story. This is an old, I, I forget who it was that, that told this story or not. I mean, it's, a, it's relatively recent, um, in relatively recent years. Now, who was it? It was what it was. It was a little girl, I think it was that 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 claimed to have a vision of one of these um, women, uh, woman preachers, like uh, I forget if it was Catherine Kuhlman or Amy Semple McPherson or something like that. One of those, one of these, um, or Maria uh, Woodworth Edder, one of these, you know, um, famous women evangelists. And so this little girl had a. Uh, apparently, according to this little girl, this, whoever it was, Catherine Kuhlman or whoever it was, came to her and, and said something to her. Just, and she was talking to this woman. Of course, it was like a, if you want to call it a vision or a ghost, whatever you want to call it, however you want, an apparition. Um, and uh, she told, like, she told a, a, a pastor about it. She's like, you know, oh, you know, Catherine Kuhlman or whoever it was, you know, Amy Semple McPherson, you know, appeared to me and, and, and she told me this and I was talking to her. And you know, like, no, 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 you don't talk to, you know, no, 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 you, you do not talk to the dead. And this little girl, as innocent as she was, she said to that pastor, she said, but, but you don't understand. She's not dead. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, necromancy we should not, be, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow night, by the way, because we're going to talk about um, Saul calling up Samuel. Okay, we're going to talk about the whole. We're going to talk about. That's why I said there's, there's lots of lessons to be learned there, uh, and you know it's against the Torah to to call like, to to communicate with the dead. Necromancy is 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 like 100 percent against the Torah. Um, but what if? What if you were, again, let's just think a little bit. What if you were Peter or James or John on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah came? We know Elijah never died, so he would have been in, in the so-called flesh, okay? Moses could have been as well. Uh, I believe that there's a really good chance he was resurrected. And that's what Jude was talking about when he said that the devil uh, contended. Or was it Second Peter? Uh, I think now. You know what I'm getting at. Jude. I was right the first. Yeah, Jude. Where it says um, uh, he was disputing. Uh, Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses. Um, I think it's a good chance that Moses was was risen that uh, he he actually got resurrected uh, we know there's other people in the uh, in the tanakh that got resurrected you know um so moses certainly wouldn't wouldn't be the first and that makes me wonder another thing too is this is another thing too and this is a side this is a side note i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just letting you guys know what was going through my mind right now the beloved brother paul okay he talks about yeshua as the firstborn from the dead as the first fruits of the resurrection, but he's not the he's not the first resurrected. 
It's not the first resurrection. We we read about people in, in the in the Tanakh that was resurrected. So I, again, that's that's kind of like a side note. So could it be that Paul was wrong yet again? Or could it be something else? Could it be that is just it just looks like he's wrong? <laughs> it just it just looks like he's wrong. Um so if you were on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appeared, we know that Moses died. Now, <laughs> if I were there, I'd want to talk to Moses. I would. I'd want to talk. Hey, awesome. Oh, what an honor to meet you. Uh, let me ask you some questions. I got some questions for you. You know, I'd have lots of questions. I want to sit down with Moses and talk to him for a long time. So would that be wrong? Would that be disobeying? Would that be violating Torah, speaking, you know, talking to the quote unquote dead? Or is he alive? Um, I think about a, a story of... I just mentioned earlier that Yeshua said that God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm not the God of the dead, but I'm the God of the living, which would categorize Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as being alive and not dead. Having said that, there's a story going, like, there's, there's a story from the Six-Day War in 19, uh, 1968. Um, when Israel was fighting for Jerusalem and the Israeli soldiers were, were, uh, cornered by, um, by the, by the, uh, opposing armies. Okay. Uh, and this is, it's, it's supposed to be a true story. Um, and it, it says that they say that there was this, there was this point in time when they were cornered and it was like the uh, or I, it was like, I'm trying to think of the right word. It was like the most important time in the, in the history of that war. The more, the most important time in that war was that time. It's like Israel could have lost Jerusalem or gained Jerusalem at that time. It, they were, it, it was like make it or break it, you know, all or not at all kind of, they were, they were faced with the situation. And it says that the, the enemies of Israel, those who were fighting against the Israel's, uh, the soldiers in the nation of Israel, um, all of a sudden they all just basically up and ran, ran away. And Israel won Jerusalem. And they were able to track down one of the, one of those uh, other, uh, one of those people that ran away uh, they're, uh, you know, the enemy army, they're able to track down one and catch him. And, and they said, why did you guys, like you guys could have won the war. You guys could have won. You had us cornered. It was all, I mean, we were basically, we were in your hands. Why did you just all just, just up and leave? Like you basically gave us Jerusalem. What happened? And the guy said, what, you didn't see it? You didn't see and they're like, no, what are you talking about? What do you say? You didn't see him? And, and it's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, just when we were going to attack you, Abraham appeared between me and you. 
between us and you guys. Abraham appeared and scared us all away, drove us back. That's that's a story out of the Six Day War. Um, if Abraham appeared and wanted to talk, I'd talk to him. I would talk to him. I would talk to him. I wouldn't count that as talking to the dead. Okay, I wouldn't talk that. I wouldn't count count that as talking to the dead. So, I mean, if if Yeshua appears to me, I'm definitely not going to ignore him. Okay, so to answer your question, you know, Yeshua appears to me. Um, I'm definitely gonna not going to ignore him at all. I'm definitely going to fall down at his feet and and uh, you know what what can I say? You know, um, there's that song I can only imagine, right? <laughs> you can only imagine. So that's what I have to say about that. You know, generally speaking, we pray to the Father. Uh, and we worship the Father only, no exception, okay? Worship the Father only, no exception. Um, but sometimes uh, we can... You know, sometimes we can have experiences. And, um, and those experiences can be a great blessing. You know, God can send someone to us. I heard another story of um, um, way back in the, in the day, there was this, uh, it, it was way back, like it was this old Catholic saint. And uh, this old Catholic saint, I think it was a female and she was beheaded. And um, it just happened to be that, that the, the body was in one country and the head was in another country and her and her, you know, people who there were there were a group of people who thought that, you know, they were convinced that it, that God would would have it so that the, the, the head and the body would be together, you know, not separated. And so they went and they got her head. Again, this is purported to be a true story. OK, this is purported to be a true story. Um, so these people went to, into a different country to get her head. And I know it sounds gruesome or weird or whatever, like they, they, they had it in a certain bag and they were carrying it. And they thought they, were, they, they said, you know, um, there's no way if, if we are caught with this head at the border, we're done. It's not, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, we cannot be with, with a head crossing into a different country. We can't, it just it can't happen. Um, and so they asked in their way of, again, asking, um, you know, th they believe that this particular person was, uh, was alive, even though, you know, it was physically she, she was passed, she passed away, but they asked, you know, in if you want to call it prayer, that this particular saint would help them cross. Oh, it's like if you want your head to be re reunited to your body, help us to cross over here without without getting caught, or else we're done. And the story goes that when they're at the border, um, the board the 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 agents at the border did check the bag. And when they got to that bag, they opened just, it was a bag full of beautiful roses. And they're like, 
when the border agent opened the bag, they were all like sweating, like, you know, sweating like crazy. Like, oh man, we're done. We're, 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 we're done. Cause you know, but apparently what they claim is that head turned into a beautiful arrangement of roses. And then after they crossed over, they're like, what happened there? Let's check the bag. Check it. And the head was there. No, roses were not there. Um, you know, so. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. You know, have to be definitely very careful. Very good question. Pamela. Pamela, welcome. Pamela, good to see you. Uh, are you doing 2 Samuel tomorrow? Let me just double check uh, the schedule tomorrow. Uh, no, second, tomorrow would be 1 Samuel, uh, be the last few chapters of 1 Samuel plus the corresponding Psalms. So it'll be Samuel, 1 Samuel 28 to 31 and Psalm 18, Psalm 121, Psalm 123 through 125, 128 and 1 through 130. Uh, and so tomorrow is Thursday. Friday, we have Jackson Snyder with us, the one and only Jackson Snyder. Uh, you guys, if you if you can join me uh, for Jackson Snyder, I think you'll have a wonderful. Um, I think you'll have uh, I think you have fun. I think it'll be I think it'll be a great time with Jackson. Uh, he's got some. <laughs> he's got some information. I've heard him talk about Paul before. Uh, certain, you know, he, he claim like he he claims to have facts on Paul that I've never ever heard anybody ever talk about. I've never ever heard any of this stuff from anybody else except for Jackson Snyder. Um, so, Lord willing, I'm I'm going to ask um, Mr. Snyder on Friday night uh, where he heard the where he got that information from. Uh, I, I think you guys, I think you guys um, would really enjoy Friday evening. Um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. And as always, uh, Jackson, you know, you can ask uh, Jackson or myself any question you want to in the live chat. We'll be responding to you. Lord willing, hopefully everything goes well uh, with that. Vita says shalom. Shalom, Vita. Good to see you. Welcome. Blessings multiplied to you to yours. Mark says, Shalom, Shalom. Good to see you, Mark. Byron says, Shalom, and have a great night, guys. Shalom, Byron. Byron says, so we should say Father instead of Lord Jesus, like Father, please help, or please be with us, help us, etc., etc. Well, that's, yeah, that's how Yeshua actually taught us to pray, right? So, yeah, um, Generally speaking, yes. Yes. Jay Williams says, no one comes to the Father but by me. Before Abraham was, I am. Okay, so, I mean, we're getting into more of a uh, trini Trinitarian argument uh, going that way. Mark asked the question, what is your take on cremation and saving a loved one's ashes? Okay, so um, I I know I understand that this can be a a, um, a topic that is a touchy subject because of you know a lot of us would have loved ones or friends that were cre cremated. 
Um, so, you know, with that in mind, um, I have to, you know, I have to tell you the truth and not tell, not try to be nice about it. I don't believe it's the Lord's will for any for, for his people to be cremated. You read it in the scriptures all along, all of his people, all of God's people were buried. They were not cremated. The only people that were cremated um, were people who were not God's people. Uh, God's enemies were cremated um, and through various ways and various means. They were. Uh, this is the way. This is the way I look at it, right? So we know the will of God. Like, for example, let, let me just, let me just, um, I'm going to draw a parallel between cremation and, say, for example, your health, okay? We know, for example, that if you're living in, you know, if you're in right standing with the Lord, the Lord wants you to be well. It's a, it's the Lord's it's God's will for you to be well, healthy, well, strong, all of that. Okay, so we should not do anything that's against that. If you're living in you know in line with the with the Word of God, if you're living in line with God's instructions, you know that you can. I mean, God would God says that. It's his will for you to be well and healthy. So we should not work against that will. In other words, we should not do things that would compromise our health. We should not smoke. We should not be like pigging out on junk food. Okay. We should be, we should be mindful of what we eat. We should be mind. We should treat our bodies with respect because we know that it's God's will for for us to be uh, healthy. In the same way, we know it's God's will to raise us up in the last day, the la the resurrection of the righteous. And so we should not work against that. We should not do anything that would that would work against that. We should we should try to work in you know for that and what i mean is we should not we should not get cremated that's kind of like the opposite that's like the opposite of preserving your body uh we should be you know working with god we're going to we're going to preserve the body or at least preserve our bones as in like for example in Joseph's case at least preserve the bones and i don't we don't know for sure if it means only bones it could have been like a mummy or whatever i'm not sure what it, what it was when it comes to Joseph's um remains but we should work we should not work against that I say okay so it's god's will for him to raise us up on the last day so let's not work against that let's let's work let's make it easy. let's let's look forward to that let's keep our you know let's uh try to preserve at least our bones like how joseph did um to the best of our ability that's my that's my take on that mark There's, there are, you know, let me just um, add this as well. 
cremation has its roots in Hinduism, okay? Not Judaism, not Christianity, not even Islam. It's, it has its roots in Hinduism. And none of God's people in the scriptures were, were, were cremated. None of them. Only God's enemies were cremated. Byron says, I've had, an, I've had an experience of seeing an angel or Jesus standing behind me after I read the Bible for about eight to ten hours. Whenever I doubt, I think back to that experience and keep, go, keep on going, wow, that's awesome. That is awesome, Byron. I mean, that, I mean uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely a work of God. Vinny says, whatever, or, let everything you do or say, do it in Yeshua's name, giving thanks to him, God the Father. I can't remember where, where the verse from, from Galatians may be. No, from, where the, excuse me. I can't remember where the verse is from Galatians, maybe. Um, Joshua Aaron has an awesome song on this verse. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, whatever we do in his, do everything in Yeshua's name. In other words, do whatever he, he would do. Vida. Should we celebrate Purim? Um, yeah, I think we should. I think it, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, I mean, it's not something that's commanded in Torah to do. Um, but I mean, it is celebrating what God. It is celebrating the works of God that He did, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I I do think it's uh, it's good to do that. Now, if we don't celebrate Purim, now again, it's not, you're not really breaking Torah if you're not if you don't celebrate it. But I just think it's a good idea. And you know, we don't really have a direct command to do that. Although we do have commands to remember the works of God, to remember what God did in our lives and what God did in other, you know, for other people. And in in that, you know, in that way, I guess you could kind of say that it is fulfilling you know it's, it's almost like hanukkah as well where it's like there's no command directly to celebrate hanukkah um the feast of dedication but i don't personally believe that it's wrong to do so i think that it's it's good to remember what god did and the miracles that he did i think it's awesome hope that helps vita Caballero says, thank you. Looking forward for Friday. Thank you very much, Caballero. Mark says, I was thinking it was wrong too because it seems like Vikings always burned bodies. Yeah. Pamela says, Joshua Aaron has the best name ever. Yeshua, Aharon. Wow, yeah. I don't think that's his, you know, his his real name is a little bit different than that, but yeah, it's awesome. It's an awesome name. Okay, so tomorrow we'll be talking about uh, Samuel 
being called up. Uh, the Witch of Endor. Again, we're going to kind of go along a little bit more. We're going to talk a little bit more about that kind of thing. Was it right? Was it wrong for Saul to call for for Saul to call up Samuel? Was it wrong for him to talk to Samuel or for the Witch of Endor to talk to Samuel? Like in talking, there's lots of lots of uh, questions there uh, about that story. So we'll we'll get to that uh, and we'll read the rest of First Samuel. And, and all the uh, corresponding, I think there's what, um, let me see how many, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight corresponding Psalms as well. So we'll get to that as well. And then the day after tomorrow, the night after tomorrow, we have Jackson Snyder with us. And uh, that'll prove to be very interesting. I, that'll prove to be very interesting. Saturday, um, what I'm shooting for again Saturday is kind of like an open open mic sort of thing, uh, open floor for people to come on, share a testimony. Last Saturday, we had the uh, testimony from Krista and Thomas. It was really good. I enjoyed their testimonies. I think that was awesome. Uh, kind of looking for a little bit more of uh, people who disagree with me uh, to come on and and uh, talk about things that they disagree with and have a little bit of a debate or discussion about it. Uh, maybe not, of course, not a, a formal debate, but a discussion about things. So if there's anybody that you know of that would be uh, interested in coming on, it doesn't matter if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to just to come on and hang out in the background and not even say, you know, uh, much, of, much of anything. If you want to do that, and you can do that or anybody else can do that. Um, if you want to uh, share your testimony of something that God did in your life or whatever, um, all you guys are welcome, especially you guys that I, especially those of you who are in the chat that I know you, uh, if I know you and, uh, you know, you, you've been on here several times or I'm familiar with you, all you guys are more than welcome to come on. Um, and anybody else that would be interested that you think that would be interested in talking to me about this, these kind of things, especially people who are antinomians, people who are what I call Paulians, people who, um, what I call lawless, okay, what I call lawless, uh, nominal, mainstream, mainline Christians, mainline Christianity, anybody that would want to talk to me, I, uh, I'm open in, in, in uh, I'm open to talk to them on Saturday afternoon, as long as I can prove that they're not just a malicious troll, and they actually really are serious about God, then yeah, we'll, uh, I'll certainly talk to anybody. And uh, Sunday, the way it looks like, it'll be back to regular schedule. Sunday, we'll be picking up with 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel on Sunday evening. Okay, guys, so that's it for tonight. Thank you guys for joining. God bless you. Blessings multiplied to each one of you. I appreciate each one of you. And uh, I'll see you again Lord willing, tomorrow. All right. So Vita says, thank you, sir. I think if you ask Yeshua to, to be mediator between you and Elohim, is that right? Yeah, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I have. No, I think that would be, I think, that, you know, that would be, that would be fine. You ask Yeshua to be mediator between you and Elohim. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that he would, you know, I think he would, he would uh, definitely, uh, and that's one of the things that says in the in the scriptures that he uh, that he is 
he does. So absolutely. That would be, uh, that would be acceptable. Um, one John says, thank you and Shalom. Thank you very much. One John, thank you very much for being there and doing what you do, brother. I appreciate it. Um, all right. So I'll see you guys again, hopefully tomorrow night, if not soon. I mean, if you're not able to come tomorrow night, um, hopefully I'll see you soon. All right, guys, as always, I pray for each one of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.